Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust20 certified restaurant, diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements. Have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified. To learn more, visit trust20.co. That's trust, the number 20.co. Trust 20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas, individual consultants, communication material and signage. For Nashville Restaurant Radio listeners, now through the end of July, you get free certification when you visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Trust 20, partnering with you to keep everyone safe. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and happy Monday. This is the first episode in the month of August 2020. Looks like we made it out of July. Congratulations to everyone out there. I could not be more excited to have this guest on today. Good friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Lister, will be on the show. He is the co-owner of Blister Hot Sauce and a recording artist for Big Yellow Dog Music. If you hang out all the way through to the end of this episode, um, we talk about our sobriety. And it's a tough topic, uh, tough time, sorry, for a lot of people. And I want to talk about, you know, kind of some of the struggles that we're right in the middle of right now. And there's a lot of people out there who are hurting. This is not easy for a lot of people. A lot of people it is, but this is just my perspective and Jeremy's perspective that we kind of wanted to share, and I wanted to share the story of why I felt the rainbow is so important to me. And I also want to say, I didn't say this in the interview, that, um, you know, while we talk about sobriety and some of that, that we're not drinking and how great it's been, um, I have zero, nothing wrong with alcohol. I, I, you do what you want to do out there. For me, my time with alcohol had to come to an end, but... This is by no way anything to do. If you can, if you can control your alcohol and you're good with it, awesome. Um, I think that's fantastic for you. I, we just wanted to share a little bit of our stories. This is at the end of the interview. Um, I hope that you get something from it. And um, it's a personal episode for me. So I hope that you will uh, listen today with an open heart. So I do want to say something real quick about Springer Mountain Farms chicken. We know they're the best chicken uh, in the world. But did you know that you can join the flock at their website, springermountainfarms.com? You can go and put your email address in. They will send you emails uh, weekly, letting you know special recipes, uh, farm news, podcast information, just cool information that uh, will help you make better, more informed decisions about what you are eating. Also, uh, you can go there. You can click to find their product or you can look anywhere in the whole region and find out where you can find Springer Mountain Farms 
chicken. So um, you can find this episode today on our YouTube channel. I also like to make an announcement that we are on iHeartRadio. So you can now find us on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, we are growing. And I want to thank every one of you, my listeners, who are out there telling their friends, um, this is the way that this thing's going to grow. We can keep telling each other about it. And hopefully there's an episode that you love that you can tell somebody about. Uh, but keep, keep liking our stuff on social media. It means so much to me. Um, keep sharing stuff on social media. Get the word out. Let's, let's keep spreading the word. So thank you very much to each and every one of you. Um, please go check out trust20.co. They're a new sponsor, and they are doing audits right now to make sure that you are doing everything you possibly can to prepare your guests and your staff for all of the new safety precautions we need to be doing uh, in all facets. So check them out. Just trust the number 20.co um, and let them know that I told you about them here on Nash Restaurant Radio. So let's jump on into this interview. You've heard me talk long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jeremy Lister. All right, with much excitement, I'd like to welcome in Jeremy Lister, big yellow dog recording artist and co-owner of Blister Hot Sauce to Nashville Restaurant Radio. How you doing, Jeremy? Uh, man, I'm, I'm wonderful. Today has been uh, a good and easy day for the most part. I'm doing really, really good. Thanks. How are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing really well. I am um, happy, healthy. I'm going to California tomorrow to uh, visit my 90-year-old grandparents, taking my kids, and I'm pretty excited about that too. What part of California? We're going to Southern California. They're actually in Riverside. Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to spend a day in Newport and Laguna and do the tide pools and the whole thing with mm -hmm. the kids and stay away from people. But yeah, that's wonderful. We're, I'm, I'll be, I'm sure we could talk more about this later, but uh, I'll be heading to California in November to get married. Uh, we're going to elope in Yellowstone. So I love that state. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. So I am so excited to have you on. Um, I have known you since 2002. I met you in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, you were in a band called Geronimo Rex. This is correct. And uh, you also worked in a restaurant. So we have to tie in restaurants. This is Nashville Restaurant Radio. So I want to tie in the, the restaurant piece here. You worked at Char Restaurant, and I was a manager at Amerigo. The original Char and the original Amer Amerigo. Yes, the original Char and the original Amerigo. And I used to see you... Kind of, we had a circle of friends that were very similar, but you used to play all over town. And then you played kind of solo acoustic at this little restaurant that was next to Char called Julep. And that's where I have my fondest memories of hearing you sing. Remember those times? I vaguely remember those times. I remember Julep. I remember uh, partying with the crew after work. And I think I remember playing there a couple of times. Uh, I mean, I played so many spots and I played so, all, all the time. It was like, that was, that was my favorite pastime. And that was what I was aspiring to do was to be a professional musician. So I was, if someone offered me a, a spot to showcase that I was taking the job. So that's been a long time. I mean, that was 18 years ago. Yeah. I can't believe I've been in Nashville for 17 years now. So, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. So back then. Um, you just come out with an EP, and um, 
I remember seeing you play, and I, I was a big Jeff Buckley fan. Mm, right? So I, like I love Jeff Buckley, Radiohead, just kind of some of the people. And I heard you sing, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this guy has the most amazing voice. And you just hear somebody for the first time, and you go, I'm going to see them headline at Bridgestone Arena. Like, this is the most amazing voice. Um, and I would love it if you, you brought your guitar. Mm-hmm. I would love, so back in the day, you had an EP called Shooting Star. And to give our, our listeners kind of a little heads up, you're going to do a couple songs for us today, but I'd like to start off and kind of do one of your oldies but goodies just to give people an idea of, if they haven't heard you before, what you sound like. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Buckley. Uh, did I ever tell you I saw his last show ever, like before he died in, in Memphis? You, I think you did tell me that, but I had forgotten. Wild. Yeah, uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, it was one of like maybe 20 people at this little dive bar in Barristers. We would go see him play every Monday and, uh, and saw his last show before he died. Uh, oh my gosh. Crazy. Uh, so I have not played this song in a long time. <clears throat> that's okay, because a lot of you will have never heard it. And I'm just going to make up things if I mess up. <laughs> mess yeah, up. you got it. Let me uh, scoot this down here and see if we can hear both the guitar and the vocal. Your guitar? Here yes, sir. Here. You're good. It's an original, so they say Heaven takes it all away I couldn't tell you wanted to only time can do the singing only a crash of the waves into me and I'm trying to let it be cause I'm tired of the rest you know and the best is going slowly so open your eyes and stop with the cross cause I'm going slowly you'll be the one you will be my shooting star it's unintentional See the rest of sleeping fiery under the covers of eternity. Melodies fold like paper. Only a crash of her waves into me. I'm trying to let it be Cause I'm tired of the rest you know And the best is going nowhere So open your eyes and stop with your cross Cause I'm going slowly And you'll be the one You will be you Fire away Submit, I am shrinking 
shout of the rest you know and the best is going slowly so open your eyes and stop with the cross cause i'm going slowly will you be from the past man i've literally watching to do that and i've got chills <laughs> i mean i've probably heard that song a thousand times i mean you know the that was amazing thanks for doing that yeah but thanks for asking. what's that How did it feel doing that song it felt good i think uh you know i missed a pre-course or two but i made up some words there but it felt good <laughs> yeah fantastic so who were your major influences kind of i know that's probably a, a standard question to ask musicians but like who are the people who you who do you love who are your influences i mean i grew up with very um uh really like uh southern baptist like roots in church all the time like i learned to sing my mom sang alto and and uh she was sitting next to me when we were singing the hymns and i was just like you know, barely learning how to speak. And like, she was singing this part and I would just start trying to sing what she was singing. And so by the time I was actually like trying out for children's choir and things like that, which wasn't really a tryout, you just showed up, but she, they would ask you to sing and like to match notes and you would go, and I would, dun, dun, dun. I would just sing a harmony and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> That's what my mom does. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, you're in. And, uh, and so music was, you know, just something that I was surrounded by. My mom's dad was in a famous uh, Southern gospel group called the Blackwood Brothers. They actually um, uh, started in Memphis. Elvis wanted to be in the Blackwood Brothers before he became Elvis. Um, they were uh, Elvis's, Elvis's mom's favorite favorite group. Um, uh, so they were a really big big deal back in the day, in the Southern gospel heyday. Uh, he just passed away a couple of years ago and sang till the day he died. He sang like his, his, uh, his last couple of days in the hospital. He was just singing. It was really, really sweet. Um, so kind of it was, it was just in the blood my dad's a great singer too um my brothers are remarkable singers and musicians but uh growing up uh you know i think i, I was i was a pretty uh, conservative household and i wasn't allowed to listen to uh listen to current secular music so i was kind of sheltered from that and uh my mom would let me listen to the golden oldies while I was doing like my math homework or something that I would always complain about. She's like, okay, if you come do your homework, I'll let you listen to, listen to the music from the sixties and seventies. And so I was probably doing, uh, I don't know, math homework. And I, I heard, Hey Jude came on the radio and I was just floored. I was like, who is this mom? Who is this? She's like, that's the Beatles, honey. And, uh, and so I was like, I want everything, the Beatles. And so got a little older and then, and then uh, they got me, um, the kind of like the best of the Beatles. They had like the little blue and red CDs. And uh, that was off to the races. I was like, I'm just a Beatle 
nuts. Like I learned everything about, I got documentaries and I was like, I, I love it. And I was, the songwriting was incredible. I love the harmonies and everything about it. Um, uh, and so that's when I really started doing, uh, uh, started writing music kind of later in high school, uh, because I was so inspired by their songwriting. Uh, and around the same time, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Jeff Buckley. Um, he would, uh, he brought the album Grace Home. Uh, I think he was already in college. He was at Vanderbilt here in Nashville, but he came home to Mississippi for the holidays. And uh, I was like, you need to hear this guy, Jeremy. And he played um, Grace from front to finish. And I was just, same sort of th thing that happened when I heard the Beatles. I was like, this guy, this guy. Is, well, Jeff Buckley was, says, this guy's my Elvis, referring to someone else, but I would say the same. Jeff Buckley was my Elvis. <laughs> uh, and so I just wore Grace out and uh, the, another EP called uh, Lavish Cheney. And then, um, yeah, then I heard he was coming to Memphis to record uh, a new album called My Sweetheart the Drunk. And uh, we, would, uh, we would skip school. It was my senior year of high school, 97. We would skip school uh, towards the end and, and drive. Uh, uh, we would leave early from school and then drive up Monday nights to see him and then just uh, drive back through the night and either <laughs> miss Tuesday or just be late for that. But yeah, ended up seeing his last show. Uh, and then other influences were um, loved. I loved uh, Stevie Wonder, like 70s Stevie Wonder. I got really into talking book and inner visions and songs in the key of life. Um, and uh, and then the Radiohead thing came along. I think uh, the, uh, the first album I really, really heard of their full album was OK Computer, and I just was floored and then, then backtracked and heard the bins and became a big fan of all the, the British invasion uh, and Travis and Coldplay and all those, those fun bands that came out. And uh, yeah, currently, I mean, that my influences are all over the map from <laughs> hip hop to, uh, I mean, kind of what I do for a living now is I write, um, uh, or one thing I do now is I write just, uh, I did like an 80s inspired <laughs> rock and roll song. And then I wrote like a 70s Motown song, like all within one week. And it's just, I, I change up what I do there. I'm kind of the chameleon on staff there, which is a lot of fun. What's that like? I mean, so... When you're writing songs, and I want to get back to the, I have a couple of follow-up questions from that, but just what you're doing now, like just the writing of the songs, like do you, so you just, do you have writing partners? Do you have one person that you write with on a regular basis? How does that, how does that work being a songwriter? Do, do they tell you what kind of songs need to be written? Do you just get to be completely creative? How does that work? Yeah, a lot of times I can sort of just uh, be totally creative. It's where I'm at. It's, it's just a, I could not be more thankful for the job I have because they, they really allow me to do what I think I do best. And, and that's, I told them kind of going into it that I love being a chameleon. I love doing something new every day, kind of starting every day from scratch and like, okay, today I'm excited about this because if I did the same thing every day in that capacity, uh, I would get burnt out really quickly because I, I had a publishing deal years ago and that definitely happened. Um, uh, so it's really freeing just uh, to write a song without having to worry about it. Sometimes the, the song works out to go for my artistry or sometimes the song works out to go for another artist, uh, which I've had a few cuts there, but um, a lot of what I'm doing is for um, film and television. So I'll write specifically, uh, they call it um, music briefs. They'll give like the synopsis or the scene in a television show or a promo for a, a TV show or a movie and sometimes ads for commercials. And, and then you kind of write songs based around that. So it's like just uh, this quirky little homework assignment. And uh, I don't know, there was a part of me at first that was like, that seems so soulless, but like, I love it so much. It's just so much fun. It's like getting a little homework assignment. Um, and then just kind of, I don't know, like 
placing my my artist and ego aside and just like i'm going to write specifically for this and then and then when i really think about it it's like this is a cool job <laughs> like this is a really really cool job so you wrote was it um was it modern family and was it the super bowl it was uh grammys uh, that was, uh, that was okay. it was a united aired yeah uh it's I've, I've been with uh big yellow dog byd for uh, a year and a half and first year i just really built up my catalog and, and then this year starting to get some syncs but yeah well, uh, one of the first things i got was uh uh, a promo, I think a six-week promo for Modern Family, and the first uh, commercial aired uh, during the Grammys. It was really, really exciting to watch that. That is really cool. So, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, did you ever get to meet Jeff Buckley? Did yeah, yeah. We, uh, I guess the times we went and saw him, we, I wouldn't talk to him afterwards. Uh, I got his autograph uh, at some point, which is, it was, it was really funny. I mean, the place really was just. Uh, <laughs> shit hole uh pardon me but i don't know if i should be cursing on this not, but, uh, okay cool uh yeah it, it was a hole in the wall um called barristers uh the uh, i think the first or second time i saw him uh he, he bought wine for everyone like I, and we were all like high schoolers we're like yes wine out of the dist distilled too um and uh but then there were maybe 20 people in the audience there but he just bought everyone like he had like bought bottles of wine and like poured wine for everyone and gave everyone red wine and I'm like Jeff Buckley's the coolest guy in the world um and then uh yeah we would talk to him afterwards he shot pool with my my friend Doug who introduced me to to Jeff Buckley and uh he was nice I think he was a little bit he was out there I mean being a, a kid I, I don't know if he was on something or if that was just kind of the way he was but he was he was definitely a little bit out there but he kicked ass, like, the, especially the first time we saw him, it was like one of the most remarkable, amazing shows I've ever seen. It was just him and his Les Paul, and he just just killed it. I mean, it was like he sounded just like he sound, sounded on, on the album, and his voice was unreal. And he's just such a, a phenomenal guitar player, too. But then the second time we saw him, there was some uh, feedback and things, and he kind of he, he got a little upset about it. And so he just turned his guitar up, and you could barely hear him sing. And I mm -hmm. think he was a little bit uh, under the influence of something, possibly, or he could have just been in a, in a weird headspace. I'm not sure. But he was, uh, oh, sorry. he was brilliant. It was, I'm so, so grateful that I had the chance to see him. So if you are not a Jeff Buckley fan or you don't know who he is and you're listening to this, what's your favorite song? If somebody was to go look him up on iTunes, what is a, what is an absolute must listen to oh recommendation God. from you? We'll move on from Jeff Buckley. Man, like the, the, the nerd in me and the musical nerd is, uh, probably something like oh man lover you should have come over there's just so many beautiful musical ch changes in that that and it's just like this it's so dynamic and it's just sexy and like uh i don't know there, it's it's one of my all-time favorite songs man just it, just not, not that, that's the one i would say i would say lover you should or, or everybody here wants you or you know he does obviously hallelujah is a great one yeah um Okay, so let's get back to your, we, 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 you moved to Nashville, 2003. What was that like? You finally, you, you were thinking about moving to New York and you chose Nashville. Um, I moved to Nashville, coincidentally, at the exact same time. We both worked at the Amerigo on West End. And um, what, what was it like moving to Nashville? Did all of your dreams immediately come true? What's it like as a musician, this much talent moving to a city like Nashville? in 2003 uh, things happen 
relatively fast. Um, some some big things happened like within the first two months to set some other things up later down the line. I think, uh, and like I think you're you and Bill Latham, who the, uh, Bill was the old owner of Amerigo, uh, him and Al. Uh, but uh, you you definitely I think uh, you you encouraged me to move here, uh, and uh, the idea of, of moving to New York was I mean I did do I did not do country music and I was. I was like, I'm a New York kind of guy. I was also, you know, Jeff Buckley made his big thing there, and I was, I was gonna uh, move on to that scene. But um, uh, m the first plan was just to move to Nashville for like six months to a year, and then move to New York or somewhere. But I was just gonna kind of move to Nashville to get into the industry, uh, sort of hopefully find a place to come back and tour, like if while I'm while I'm touring the country, and I had you know all these big, big dreams. Um, and they did not turn out the way I had pictured them, but they turned out in a pretty cool way otherwise. But um, it's because 17 years later, I'm still in Nashville. But uh, it was uh, moved to town, started bartending. Uh, that song I played, Shooting Star, was the name of my very first solo EP. I mean, I was in a band in Jackson called Geronimo Rex. But uh, I left, and then we um, uh, uh, made the album Shooting Star with Nelson Hubbard, who also moved to Nashville from Mississippi around the same time. And uh, as I was bartending in Amerigo, I would just take the the CD. If I heard anyone talking about the music industry, like anyone, like whether it was, you know, an artist or publisher, I'd be like, oh, here you go. I'm just going to use give you my CD, and I would use it as a coaster there on the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys even knew that. But, um, yeah, I would just, I was always like, hey, this is what I do. And then uh, people listened, actually. You know, I, I know um, – I, I was kind of shocked. I would have, uh, I'm sure people were, just, you know, especially on Music Row, were just handed so much uh, material, whether it be, you know, tape, CDs, you know, anything like that. But yeah, people listened, and then uh, some regulars came back, and they're like, "Man, this is like surprisingly good. Like we, we didn't know what to expect, being that you're a bartender here, but like we love this." And and some people that came in, and some of the staff at uh, Amerigo, like introduced me to some people. Uh, I got introduced. I think the first month I was in town to who would be my first agent at CAA and then uh, got set up at ASCAP with my PRO and um, yeah and I even like three days in I went to do this little uh, writer's night at, at the old 12th and Porter and I met who would be like my first band so like all these things started happening pretty quickly I was like man Nashville's great <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where I need to be yeah, I, I really was fortunate in that that uh, the, I just, a lot of things lined up in the right way. So, uh, but, oh, I was say I don't know if you remember, um, but I will. I, if there's like trivia night sometime down down the line, and somebody says, "Who was Jeremy Lister's first manager?" Uh, when you lived in Mississippi, I was a manager, and you said, "Hey, I need you to do me a favor. Will you call this record shop and tell them you're my manager because they haven't paid me yet." I have all these CDs that they've sold. They haven't paid me the money. I need them to pay me the money. I need you to call them and, and, and tell them you're my manager. And I said, uh, sure. So I called the record store and said, just manager, Brandon Still. And uh, we're wondering about the funds and that. And the guy was like, you tell Jeremy. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do here, Jeremy. And uh, I, I remember moving to Nashville and I was like, I'll be your manager, man. It'd be awesome. And then I was like, no, I, I don't know anything about this business. I can't. That's amazing, man. I don't remember that, but like, I, I, that 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 rings a bell actually when you said that because I think I was always doing something. And you're like, just you're the perfect person for that too. Like you're, you are a manager by nature. You know? I I said I will I will take that crown as your first manager. I didn't sign anything, but just kind of <laughs> that. I'm sure That's you've since then. That is amazing. 
So I didn't, you know, I didn't, I saw you, uh, we kind of got busy and I went to different restaurants and I met my wife and, you know, we, um, we travel in the same circles. Next thing I know, I see you on a Nashville convention bureau video and you're singing like on a rooftop. And then I, I see you downtown at like second Avenue. There's a, a whole, like a speaker, they're playing music, but there's a picture of Jeremy Lister on the side of it. Yeah. I was like on the entrance of Bridgestone for like five years. That really weirded me. I didn't even know it was there. Uh, and I was, I think hanging out down, uh, on fourth and broad late one night. <clears throat> and then, uh, stumbled out of a bar and looked up and I was like, that's me. This is like a 20 foot me right there at Bridgestone. And just started dying laughing. And then I texted, uh, Butch, uh, who, you know, runs a lot of things here in town. And, um, yeah. The visitor center. And I was like, is there a big picture of me on Bridgestone? And he's like, Oh yeah, no one told you about that. I was like, no, honestly, this is so weird. Um, but yeah, like things, I'm sorry. Like take a selfie with it. Is that, what do you do with that? I definitely took some pictures of it now on my phone at some point. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, it was just weird. Um, but yeah, things started picking up too. Like I, I ended up working in Amerigo for, I don't know, two or three years. I don't know. I remember, I remember you meeting your wife there as well. That was this. I did. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and I remember playing your wedding as well, which was you, you did, you actually, you came, you sang a song, you were the performer during my wedding. And thank you again for that. I will remember that the day I, uh, I died. That was such a beautiful song. Uh, wedding day is the name of the song that you sang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I wrote that, I believe for you, for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I sure. I think I did. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I, uh, I'll have to dig through some notebooks and hopefully find that. But I'm pretty sure I wrote that for you guys. Yeah. We have pictures of you singing at the wedding. And in my wedding album, I have pictures of you singing at the wedding. So nice. Uh, anything from my first manager. Yeah. <laughs> so then I we you know we're married and I'm I'm living in this condo in Hillsborough Village and I hear that you're going to see a Facebook post because now we have face we didn't have Facebook back then but now we have Facebook and you're going to be on a show called the Sing Off. And you've got a band called Street Corner Symphony. And how did that come to play? Like, what, what's the story behind that? Because that was like the most proudest I've ever been of one of my friends. See, uh, show. Uh, it's a really fun story. Um, uh, to backtrack just a little bit more to, so I left Amerigo because I, I got a record deal. I, I was signed to Warner Brothers in Los Angeles. And like, it was just huge. I had a massive party with all my friends. Like I've made it, you know, I've, I've, I'm signed, you know, and like, and, and that's, that was a, an amazing experience, but um, uh, it was a very typical record deal in, in that era, like where you get signed and then just slowly get dusted on the shelf. <laughs> but um, uh, that was, that was an incredible uh, experience overall. Um, and as that fizzled out, uh, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with, um, my music career anymore like uh this it was kind of i was feeling pretty disheartened because i you know i'd, I'd written like two to three hundred songs over that five-year period with them and um i had a, a publishing deal with warner chapel and uh all the people that had signed me had gotten uh fired and and so i was just kind of sitting there and, and unfortunately my 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 second manager um got me out of that record deal but i was just like yep i have no idea what i'm gonna do now uh and uh, a friend of mine from high school uh, that I sang with, I sang in a quartet with, uh, he called and he said, "Hey, um, how about you and your older brother uh, join me and my my younger brother, 
and we try out for this show called The Sing-Off. Have you heard about it? And I was like, nope, I've not heard of it. He's like, well, it's an acapella reality TV show uh, on NBC. Like, Nick Lachey is the host, and Ben Folds, and Sean Stockman, and Nicole Schellschlinger are the judges. And I was like, Ben Folds, man, I'm in. That sounds cool. So I did some research and um, uh, checked out the show. I was like, this is kind of fun. It's like, I, I don't. I mean, I, I play rock and roll and pop and, and acoustic and things like that. I, I felt really strange, you know, uh, about trying out one just for a reality show, but especially an acapella reality show. Um, but I was, I was kind of in a bit of a, fuck it, let's do it. You know, let's, this is a, I, I've, I've been there done that with a record deal. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So let's just give it a go. So we work up. Uh, we actually worked up Shooting Star, the song I played as, as a, an acapella version, and we did that, and we had a, uh, I think we did God Only Knows by the Beach Boys for all, our, our audition, and then we did a Flow Rider medley, which was hilarious. Uh, we started off like a barbershop Flow Rider, and then we went into like the break it down, you know. Uh, it, was, it was really, really funny, um, but we finished our audition, and the, the, the casting judge or one of them, her name is Michelle McNulty. She, um, she's like, you guys, you guys sound fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you're nailing it. I mean, you blend two sets of brothers. The blend is unbelievable. Uh, we love it. But you have zero energy. Like, this is TV. We are not, we're not having you on the show like this. You've got to, whatever you got to do to loosen up and to, uh, you know, to come back and, and put on a show, you go do it. So we're going we're gonna to give you one more shot at this. But, you go do whatever you have to do, work it up, come back and charm us. And uh, so in my head, I was like, let's get drunk. <laughs> so uh, we left, we hit the pub, we all did some, did some shots and then came back. And I mean, I was, I was pretty tipsy. I had a bottle of Fireball in my back pocket. And then I came, I walked up to the judges and I, I poured them all shots of Fireball whiskey. And, uh, and then proceeded to audition again. And then they were like, you guys are crazy and we love it. You're on the show. And, um, wow. And so the, I thought even after that, I was like, for sure, like, we're just a joke. They're going to have us on as like these drunk, like Southern guys that are going to get booted off the show. Like, but they, it somehow worked and we, and we sounded really, really good. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, I mean, almost won the show, which was insane that we, every, every week that we kept winning, we were just like, what is going on now? Why did they like us so much? Uh, you know, I was, I was absolutely biased watching the show. But you know, we watched. It was appointment television for for me and my wife Jen, and we were, um, we'd watch, and I was like, holy shit, they are better than everybody else on this show. Like, we were like, there's no way in hell they don't win this thing. And when you guys, so they kept doing this thing, and then you came out and you did creep, um, and like everybody and all the other bands came out and did creep with you guys oh that was uh fix you that, that happened yeah, you yeah. did so it was fix you yeah. uh, but like i still think about that and get chills like that was one of the most amazing performances and i'm gonna see if i can't plug in right here a little clip of that show of you doing fix you right yeah. what's that a different version of me that was that was yeah that was so much fun though. So I'm gonna put that in here right now and um, hopefully you can hear it if you're out there. But that was just so, I mean, I don't know. I, it was just one of the most amazing performances and I was like, there's no way they don't win. And when they announced the other 
team is winning. Did were you almost like excited that you didn't win? Because like Idol and all these other shows, like if you win, you have to now go and be the Idol winner. The second place person always ends up being the star. At that time, that was kind of the the deal. Did you have any like feeling like that? One thousand percent. All of us, we were sitting there. It's hilarious. All of us were like, please, God, don't let us win. Please don't let us win. Please don't let us win. I was doing it because I had just gotten out of a contract with a label that was very, very sticky and, and tricky. And the contracts for the, the these shows are horrible. Like, I mean, like, you <laughs> just terrible deals. Uh, for the winner. For the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were just, I, I was like, oh, man, if we win, this is going to be the worst. And <laughs> we got second place. And it was like, Yes, that's exactly where we wanted to be. You could probably see our faces, like looking actually, just so excited, like when we found out we were in second place. Um, but they also, uh, we became friends with everyone on the show, and I, I know you were saying you you thought we should have won. Like committed, so good, like hands down, like one of them and Groove for Thought were like the best vocalist group like out there, way better than us. I still think that, and so I think that one they were they deserved to win, and then two. <laughs> We were just excited not to be stuck with a, a contract, and it worked out really well for us. Like, especially out the gate, the first two or three years, like we were we were doing touring like I'd never had never seen it before. It was crazy. So you immediately went out with Ben Folds Five, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or was it Ben Folds Five or just Ben Folds? It was just Ben Folds. Duh, yes, just Ben Folds. I think for that that tour, um, and it was that was incredible. We we first year we did um, we went to Italy and did like a a show for FedEx, which they had us on a cruise ship, and then like these big offers I'd never seen before, and then went did Tony Romo's wedding for the Dallas Cowboys, and like uh, went out on tour with Ben Folds, and did these black tie events in Vegas, and like all these crazy things. We were just like, and like you know, getting paid stupid amounts of money. We we're like, this is awesome, and like, uh, <laughs> we we just, I mean, we were like the the this is hilarious to even say it. like kind of like the motley crew of acapella we were just partying like crazy and people loved it for a while i think we, we definitely um we may have burned a few bridges here and there but uh but uh yeah we were just we were wild men i mean we were it was all good fun we didn't do anything like well not terrible vandalism but um we, we did some pretty crazy stuff but like we were just uh we were we were partying going for it so what was it like just getting to know, like, did when you're on tour with Ben Folds, do you get to spend a lot of time with him? Does he mentor you at all? Or are you just in a point now where, and I mean, going from being a rock star, you know, a rock musician and a pop musician, somebody who's doing his own thing to an acapella group that you kind of put together on a whim. And now that's the thing that you're quote unquote famous for. What is that like? Just the whole world swirling. What does that do to you? inside well it taught me a lot um one uh that i just have to be open to my life just taking a big directional change like uh, just out of nowhere because like, i mean I, if you would have asked me if like i would have been in an acapella group a successful acapella group or a reality show i'm like no there's no way you know before leading up to that but it did, and it opened up a lot of a lot of interesting doors from that too. So one, I think it, it um, uh, that was the first time I was like, you know what, it's okay not 
for things not to go my way sometimes because sometimes there's there's another thing that happens that may be a little better or it may lead to something else so uh kind of accepting um that things <laughs> aren't going to go as i expect them to go uh but then uh to answer your first question uh hanging out with ben Foles was super cool like uh, he's genuinely just a very very nice guy and like incredibly smart uh and um and and funny too um I've, I've got some stories that I will, I will not share N nothing about him, but things I did that were uh, <clears throat> faced a, uh, hand on that. I'll tell you about those later. Um, but he was, he was very, very nice, uh, on the show when we were on tour, he was, um, he, he's, he was very involved in his work. So he was doing this whole project where he actually was recording all the audiences and like had like this massive choir on this, this, uh, album or song he was making. So after he was done, he would just hop on the bus. We would go party with his band, uh, on, a, on, on some of the nights, which was a lot of fun, but, um, uh, yeah, he was, he kept to himself, but on the show, he was, you know, always, he would talk, he would give us a, you know, uh, a joker just shoot the bull just uh, here and there and uh even when we got back to nashville we, we went to uh, studio b when he owned it and hung out with him a few times there and wow. uh he, he called me one night and he and, and was like i've got an idea i want you to do harry nelson covers and, and, and we'll get the symphony the nashville symphony to do it and i was just like yes please this is the greatest idea ever and then uh that never happened but uh it was like one of those uh i'm, I'm sure he had a, a thousand brilliant ideas a day and he was just kind of uh shooting them out there so when you play when you go on a tour like that uh with ben folds uh, he's kind of a big deal and you're probably playing in front of crowds that are pretty big what's it what's it like i mean i've never in my life been a musician or been on stage when you walk out onto the stage and there's just thousands of people who now know who street corner symphony is and you go walk out there and they're screaming, what does that feel like? What is the, is there like just an endorphin rush that you can't explain? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that I realized, you know, that if I thought about it too much, I would get <gasps> crazy anxiety. So like I, before I, I would go out on stage and still to this day, sometimes depending on the show, like I just, I was kind of like, get in this place to kind of sort of get into the right headspace before walking out there and then just soak it up. But, um, uh, yeah, back then I, it was, I, I got used to it pretty quickly and it was just kind of, uh, I would say muscle memory. I don't know, but, uh, it was, it, but every once in a while it would hit me. And it's funny now, like I, I really try to practice being present in shows and I get to do that a little bit more because I'm, I am, I think just more of a present person. But it's like when I go out, even if it's a small show or a bigger show, you know, I'm, I just, I want to like sit there and be like, wow, I'm doing this right now. This is, this is amazing. I'm getting to do this right now. So I think there, there have been times where I've taken that for granted, you know, and just been hopping out there and not really appreciated exactly what I was getting to do. So that's a crazy lifestyle. I mean, you, you like, you alluded to partying a lot, you know, like the motley crew of acapella bands, uh, which I, I... <laughs> So, yeah, yeah t-shirts made for that um but just like you, you know you um have been sober for five years now you just had your five-year anniversary birthday not long ago yeah and, five years in april 26th yeah and you've been an inspiration to me um just seeing you you you've was there like a i, I want to talk about that 
I want to talk about kind of your before sober life. I think we've led, have we led up to it now? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll, 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 uh, yeah, well, things got quickly, um, I mean, I've had some emotional and physical bottoms, you know, from all, all of the partying and alcohol and, and other, uh, uh, things that I've abused, but, um, yeah, I, I just got to a place where it was, it was, it was going to kill me. I was actually on the sing-off tour and we were the same thing. We were playing for two, 3000 people a night and, uh, I was having panic attacks. If I, if I, if I didn't have a drink, you know, within like an hour, I would wake up in the middle of the night in a fetal position because I couldn't unlock my nerves. So I would have to go drink and I was, I was dying. I was killing myself. And it just, I, I, I don't know how it got to that point, but I mean, I actually, I do know how I got to that point, but then I didn't realize I, I didn't know how it had gotten to that, that far. Um, but yeah, it got to that point And that's eventually what, what, um, about hearing a doctor telling me that, you know, I've got a, a year to live if I keep doing what I was doing. And I was like, all right, it's time to make some changes. And, uh, that's, that's the short version. And, uh, and got home sobered up detox very scarily on my own never suggest doing that and uh watched the national parks on repeat and then uh <laughs> i've got uh all kinds of fun other stuff uh running and hot sauce and ice cream making and i'm now i'm hitting all the national parks i'm getting married married in yosemite i was engaged in the grand canyon last year and uh man, life's just i get i i refer to it as my second life you know, I, I, I had uh, so many wonderful and fun times and great things, but that ran its course and, uh, and it led to a lot of suffering and a lot of, a lot of hardships. And then now I get this whole new world, like just Jeremy 2.0, where I get to go run ultra races and be into a little bit more healthy things and to, uh, work with other people and do some things that, um, uh, that also bring a lot of happiness and fulfillment in my life. How has it done um, creatively for you? Have you noticed a difference in your music and just your your craft, what you're doing? Have you noticed now you're being more present in the moment that you're, has it evolved? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I wanted to quit music. So um, when, when street corner happened, I just sort of set aside songwriting and my artistry for a while. Um, uh, I, I released an album that the same uh, the year after the sing off, but, um, they really didn't do anything with it. Uh, I, I take that back. I did a little, I went out for a short spell. Uh, Alison Krauss had me go out and do some opening slots that first year, which was also incredible. But for the most part, I, I quit writing songs. I quit the, the creative side of things. I would go out and make money with street corner and that was it. And then, um, and then, then things got really, really bad and depression and, and um, and just, uh, I was, that was not well. And, uh, and well, eventually I sobered up. And then after that, I was like, I don't like music anymore. Uh, I, I loved the outdoors. I loved a lot of other things, but I was like, I, I kind of, all the things that I'd associated with my, my addiction and drinking problems, I just had to take them off the table for a while. And because of that, I've come back like in a much healthier spot. Um, I took like two or three years off of pretty much doing music. Like I would, um, I would go out and, and make shows, I'd make some money doing some shows, but uh, I'd come back uh, 
and some of my happiest moments. I was hauling away people's junk. I was working for tackle and I would, you know, people would, would hit me up and uh, say, can you haul away my trash from a party or come take away my old sofa and take it to the dump. And that was my main source of income. I loved it. Like I was so happy. Like there was just something about working with my hands. And uh, I think a lot of it too, was just letting go of these ideas that I had of myself uh, that I had to be this type of musician or this artist just to kind of come back to more of a, uh, it gave me a chance to uh, look at myself and uh, re-identify myself in some ways to where like, oh, I am not, I am not that. I'm not just that, certainly. Now I'm, I'm many things. And it, it freed me up from like, I mean, because I knew since I was going to be a kid that I, I wanted to be a musician and a successful musician. And now that all, all these things were starting to fade away and now I eventually let go of it. And I was like, wait, oh man. Uh, taking that off its pedestal just brought me so, a lot of peace. I was like, oh, okay, there's there there's a lot more to Jeremy Lister than 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 uh than just being an artist and a musician. And that that's what opened the door for you know a, a hot sauce company or me running 50 miles back in April and like uh, doing these ultra races and things that bring me a lot of joy and relationships I have with people. Um, uh, it's just a, a beautiful experience, but that also led to me um, now being in a place where I can I can sit here right now and pop out a song in an hour and feel great about it, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be the greatest song in the world or hell, it may be a really good one, but I don't feel that pressure that I felt uh, anymore because uh, life and um, my happiness doesn't um, uh, doesn't have to be uh, all involved in my success in music. I can do number of other things and be perfectly happy you know it's interesting and i think that i'm going to say this little piece and then we'll break and we'll do another song um i find that people like you or myself who are creative people and i say creative more as a proactive thing like you have to create music nobody's like it doesn't just happen like you it takes a there's a creative process involved and i um you know, if you're leading people or you're, you're creating systems and processes and management, it, it's not like you can just clock in and clock out. Like it's always going and it's always on your mind and it's all kind of consuming. And there's a side of that, that like for me, like driving Uber, you know, was so nice because I can literally clock in. I'm doing a job that I don't have to think mm -hmm. I could just do it. And I know I've done a good job at it and I can clock out. And it's kind of like a reset button because you're like, oh, wow, I don't have all the stress of having to other people's income or just the whole creating something for somebody else. It's kind of a nice feeling to kind of go, hey, I could just go take trash away and I know I'm doing the job well and I don't have this extra stress. And you can, it kind of gives you a moment to appreciate the kind of people that you are, that you love to do stuff like that. It's like, hey, I, while I feel good knocking out this thing, I kind of missed that other piece of it and it kind of helps rejuvenate you. I, I feel like for me, it does that. 100%. Yeah. Like uh, the, this year alone, uh, it's just so funny. Those things, the, the, the roles you say, Oh, I would never be that kind of person. Like I, I always assumed I would never enjoy gardening because of like the having to be tedious and patient with it. I love gardening. Like this year I've gotten so into it. I'm sure as a lot of other people have, but it's the favorite. It's it's my favorite part of the day, more so than songwriting, more so than 
almost anything is just go out there and I'm, I'm working with my peppers or my, my cucumbers or, you know, I've got a big garden back there now, but, um, uh, it's, it's just, it's so freeing. Cause like, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say mindless, but like, you're not having to worry about, you know, uh, thinking ahead or it's just, I can just slow down and be right there in the moment with what I'm doing. It's, it's very, very nice. Well, I would love, you know, to hear you do something that's like some of your, something new, something that you've got out there right now that, um, people can go listen to on iTunes. And, um, and then one of the things you just released a cover of somewhere over the rainbow. And, uh, I'm so glad you're on today because I want to talk a little bit about my experience over the past nine months and, um, a little bit about why that song meant so much to me when I heard it I think last week, a week before last. So, uh, what, what are you going to do for us here right now? Well, um, uh, this was the first single, uh, of my upcoming EP, which I'm not sure when this will be released, but, um, uh, uh, the EP comes out August 21st, I believe. Nice. Um, and this was the first single. This single is already out. It's called Hold Strong. I, um, I wrote this, um, right after the tornado hit in Nashville. Uh, for those of you who aren't in Nashville listening to this, uh, back in um, March, yeah, uh, there was uh, a massive tornado that just ripped apart the city and tore up residences and uh, businesses. And a lot of those were friends of mine that had affected. Um, and two of my uh, very close friends, um, Anupa and Jeff, uh, it, their house was leveled they really really were fortunate enough to they were in the house and survived the chimney actually if they were in the other room that would have crushed them but their house was, was totally totally leveled um uh and they were getting married two weeks after that uh they'd already scheduled you know to, a plan to get to get married so i wrote this song for them called hold strong and just sort of the idea of um uh you know, hold on to the things that are important when everything else falls apart. Uh, and then as 2020 progressed the spring, it's, it sort of just became more of an anthem for everyone because we're all going through a tough time. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, uh, where are you positioned? This is Hold Strong. Um, Tell me what would happen if the world flipped upside down Would we still be laughing if the sky was on the ground Walls will crash and disappear Pick up the pieces, have no fear, hold strong. And 
know it's hard to see the forest for the trees. But if you stand with me, you'll see a million leaves. Storms will come and then go by. Tears will drop and then they'll dry. Hold strong, hold strong, right here by your side. All will be alright. Hold on. strong in the golden light when all this passes by we will be a light that's shining from the sky Incredible. And you wrote that for friends of yours who were getting married and, and like that just and, and did you play that at their wedding? Did they get married? They well, um right after the tornado, everything started happening with quarantine. So they just quickly went to North Carolina and, and had a, a, a very, very intimate wedding with uh with some of their immediate family. Um but no, I sent that to them. Um Right after they were married, I sent them the, the, the recording I'd made, and now it ended up becoming the, the first single for the EP. Wow, man, that was um, that was beautiful. I I still get chills every time you sing. I just listen to you, and I go, God, he's just so amazing. Thank you, my friend. Um, I tell you, I you know when I first heard you do "There's Somewhere Over the Rainbow," and you've said you'll do you'll do that for me a little bit later um you know i've been watching you running 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 and you say you did a super what is it called a super uh, ultra marathons it's anything longer than a marathon they they dub ultra marathons and you're doing those now i am yeah <laughs> for my for my five-year anniversary i kind of created a race with several of my friends and called it the friendship run and because everything, everyone was uh, staying in their houses during the pandemic, I, uh, I routed out um, different friends' houses and would just tell them to pop out and wave to me at different points. And so that was kind of a way. It was right around, it may have been the same day of the Nashville Marathon. 
on uh, and a few other friends ended up doing it with me and they kind of set their own route. But um, I've been just kind of running longer and longer distances. I've done a few marathons now. So uh, I did a 40 miler last year and up in the hills east and then um and then this year for my five-year uh sobriety anniversary i was like i'm gonna go for 50 and did 50 uh, kind of all over the place through east nashville and uh who knows what's up next maybe 100 we'll see the 50 miles how long did it take you to did you stop i mean is that just straight running for 50 miles yeah pretty much straight running like i i, I left my porch over here i, I left um left all my fuel like my water and food and uh i had tons of like you know macro bar power bars and uh pickles and pickle juice for and and uh lays potato chips and you name it i had it set uh, set out on the porch and my fiance would come out every once in a while and bring me something but i would just literally run by the house stop for a minute or two just to you know drink and uh get proper fueling and then take off again and but uh, i did without stopping the clock it was uh it was just a few minutes shy of 10 hours. So it was, uh, it was about nine, nine something, I think nine fifty something. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, just to accomplish that, to be from a place where a doctor is telling you you're a year away from dying to running 50 miles at one time. Um, I, you know, I'm so glad you came on today because I've, you know, I just, yesterday was my nine month, um, anniversary for not working. And I'm, you know, I'm, it's amazing the things, um, the things that I've been discovering about myself, but I want to talk about it today because I know there's a, we're not at the end of this pandemic. I have no idea where we are in this pandemic, but I know that there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of funny memes and different things like, can we all change the definition of alcoholic after this? Because we've all been going a little crazy, you know? And I was one of those people who um, considered myself to be a social drinker. You know, I, I didn't drink in the morning. I didn't drink before work and I'm a reward drinker. So if I worked a 13 hour day, then I feel I really got to have a couple cocktails. That was the thing that I deserved. And, you know, I didn't realize how much I was drinking. You know, I had no clue. I kind of thought I had the back of my mind. I thought, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't, do I drink every night? I don't know. Do I? And it started creeping in my mind that do I drink too much? And I don't, I didn't know until, um, until I, until I was sober, I didn't realize that till like a few weeks into sobriety when I went, oh my gosh, there's a lot of times my brain thinks about going to get a drink. It was incredible how often that happened, but the song, uh, somewhere of the rainbow in the rainbow to me, I wanted to tell this story because it was pretty impactful for me. It's where I found acceptance. I think that's one of the hardest things for people who don't know whether or not they're an alcoholic or wonder or whatever. It's finally that acceptance for me that sent me over the top and it was amazing. Um, I was with somebody who, um, very, very good friend of mine. I was having a, a very tough conversation with them. This person might actually be my guardian angel. I don't know, but I, I, you never know some of these things. Um, but we we're having a, we we're having a pretty big conversation and we had a pretty big realization during this conversation. And, um, at that exact moment that we kind of had this, this big realization, a gigantic rainbow appeared. We're sitting outside at a coffee shop and just this amazing 
rainbow. Like I've never seen something so bright and so vivid and so clear and it like out of nowhere. Like it was kind of an overcast day, but all of a sudden this just this huge like whoa, do you see this rainbow right here? This is incredible. And it was that moment where I knew that my life had to change. And I, you know, I'm not like a, a Bible thumping, you, you know, God speaks to me and he told me to do this, but there's never been a more moment of clarity that I've had in my life that God was speaking to me, that this was, it was like, it was the most incredible, crazy rainbow I've ever seen. And I went, you know what, this is really God. The, the conversation we were having was so powerful and it was that moment of everything's going to be okay. It was a really weird, I felt this peace and I felt like the, the storm was over and there was, there was God telling me at that exact moment that I'm going to be okay. And I know what I have to do and I'm not alone. Mm. It was so, um, it was so crazy because like since that day, I've just had this, it was that day that I went to my first meeting and I kind of identified and I kind of said, okay, I'm amongst friends here and uh, I'm not alone. There's a ton of people out there. It's okay. Like I'm not, there's nothing wrong with this admission. And I was like, for the first time in 25 years, I honestly felt accepted for just being me for all the flaws everything that was me i felt um i felt accepted and i like all the stress of that I've been feeling over the past multiple years it was like it melted away and it was the most amazing feeling that i've ever felt and it was almost like you said i was reborn like that day i got to go okay i get to live my life now going forward with a new level of clarity and um, it's been the most amazing nine months of my life. And uh, it's been amazing. It just really has. I know you you can probably attest to that, how your life has been, right? Oh, man. I, I, I mean, it uh, again, it gives me pomegranate hearing, <clears throat> hearing you share about that because I, I get to relive going through the same thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. There have been, you know, a lot of hardships you know that have come in, in sobriety and and challenges i guess uh, as well but um uh but it is just so much better like on so many ways because when i finally accepted okay uh well i'm i'm not going to make it if i don't do this and and also just really accepting okay i've got a problem i mean i i definitely got into a pretty pretty bad place it was it was glaringly obvious to me but um, I still didn't want to quit drinking because the other side seemed scarier because like it, uh, I felt like I couldn't be a musician. I couldn't be uh, a friend. I couldn't be a partner. I couldn't be these things without it because it, it, I felt like, um, I don't know. There, was, there, was all, there were all these associations that I had to it, like the, the fear of it's not you. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I'm in this business and how am I going to go to wine tastings now? How yeah going to be able to talk to people about alcohol. I mean, this is, it's the social thing. And I was going into the holiday season and. Uh, yeah. How am I going to, how am I going to go to birthday parties? How am I going to do like all these? And like, which is hilarious. Cause once you get it's just a little bit of time in your body, like, Oh, this is, a, <laughs> this is just easy. You know, just don't, but I mean, uh, 
it's at the same time, it, it, it's tricky and it was very, very tough, tough coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I love, I love that story too about, about the rainbow. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that's, uh, I, I don't necessarily, um, people will call it the universe, God, higher power. Yeah. Um, I'm comfortable saying God, uh, but uh, it's, it's, there, there's, there's something, there's some of those things that happen sometimes very obvious and pointed, like a doctor saying, Hey, you're going to die. <laughs> That'll help you make some changes. And then sometimes these, these things, once we clear up our head a little bit and we're in, in a good place, we get these moments and whether it's just very personal to us or anything, at least I've experienced, I mean, hundreds of moments, like where I'm just like, was that a coincidence or is that just crazy? And like, and it's, it's a really, it's, it's a beautiful feeling. Um, there's, there's a sense of, uh, of hope and peace I get, you know, when I experience those things. And it's a very personal thing too. I love it. It is. I, um, you know, I found meditation as something just like clearing your head and the anxiety. Cause I was very anxious after I started. I didn't, I didn't realize how much drinking was my answer to so many questions. What do I do about this? It's, and every time I hear somebody go up. Oh, I, that's going to drive me to drink or oh, I need a drink after that or that kind of thing. Like it's a, it's a real, it's a real thing. Like drinking is the answer for a lot of people to a lot of different um, questions. And I'll never forget. I was walking with my sister at the uh, Percy Warner park. So you, you run, I, I, I hike. It's my thing. I go, I do, uh, I go to Percy Warner park. Walking. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a runner. I got, I'm, I'm a giant and I have bad knees, but I, um, she asked me, she said, what's the biggest thing that, um, that you've learned? It was like, we we're like eight, eight months. She was like, what's the biggest thing? Like, have you lost like 20 pounds or have you, are you rich now? Like, what are, what are the things that you've noticed? You have like all this time on your hands. And I said, you know, the thing to me, the most amazing thing so far about not drinking is feeling is feeling everything because I, the answer to the question isn't. I need a drink. The answer to the question now is I have to actually feel this thing and I have to deal with it and I have to process it. And I may have to say, I'm sorry. I may have to like, I have to kind of figure out emotions that I numbed for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's been the most amazing journey through, um, empathy and love and pain and just hope and sadness and just all these things that I just, I drank myself through and I never felt. And now I'm just like, mm-hmm. I feel like I want to hug so many people that I can't hug now, you know? Have you heard, uh, uh, the great, one of the greatest things about getting sober is you get your feelings back. One of the worst things about getting sober is you get your feelings back. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I, I, I've heard that from myself. I hadn't heard that, but it's, it's true. It's a totally a true story. Yeah. What about for you? What's been, is there something for you that like over sobriety you've noticed is like the, the big thing for you? Are you rich now? Or are you, <laughs> uh, I'm very, I, uh, the, gratitude is like a foundation for everything. Uh, like outlook and like uh, emotional sobriety is kind of what I, I aim for. Rarely do I consider drinking an option um every once in a while it'll pop in my head but um uh i i want to be well in uh in my brain and and in my body uh and that's challenging this this year in particular it's been it's been very challenging uh i found year two 
to be very difficult for a lot of the same reasons uh, you were talking about was accepting feelings, realizing how predisposed I am to anxiety uh, and then accepting myself as that because I would kind of force myself into situations maybe a little bit prematurely and I just was not well. And then um, I got really depressed uh, during the second year, which was quite the opposite because the first year was very, uh, like I said before, it had challenges, but it was very exciting. Physically, I was changing. I was finding these things. I was, you know, feeling so much better, uh, not just being hungover every day. But at year two was a lot of acceptance and um, and it was tough. And then realizing that, you know, I've, I've got to work at certain things that will be a continual thing. Um, uh, and that's a number of things I do, whether it's exercise or recovery work or therapy or, you know, just different things I do that, that keep me challenged and learning and growing constantly. So I don't, um, uh, kind of get stale with everything. And that's, that's, that's tricky, but a big part of that is also meditation. I mean, you mentioned that before that has been, um, just a huge part of, of my life. Um, uh, especially when I'm consistently getting up in the morning and doing a, you know, 10, 20 minute sit and, um, uh, and then running, you know, that's that's actually one of the reasons I like it so much is the chance for me to kind of go out and and let some thoughts spin around and I, I can work through things as well as like prime the the emotions and the things I prime the the chemicals in my body that that uh, that bring about happier emotions. Sure. Uh, but uh, man, gratitude like uh, getting back around to that, um, it's it's tough to find it sometimes when circumstantially things are changing, the world is changing, you get wrapped in fear. Uh, I heard someone say recently, we just have, we really are looking in two ways. We're looking in, in fear or, or self, or we're looking out in gratitude and abundance. And, uh, um, and when I can catch myself, uh, when I'm able to practice looking out with gratitude, uh, my life's different. I just have a different experience, even no matter um, if circumstantially things are, are, are happening in a negative way around me, I can feel, feel grateful for all that, um, all that I have right now. Uh, and that's also a practice out. There's a, a few friends that, uh, I, um, I nightly I'm on a gratitude list. And so I'll, I will write down five things that have happened during the day that I'm grateful for. And usually when I get up in the morning, I'll try to focus or meditate on that as well too. And that's, that's been a huge one for me. Um, and I, I wouldn't have had that, but I just, I just wasn't capable of thinking that way when I was, you know, drinking or using all the time. I was just, I was all about, I wasn't like I was even trying, but I was very self-absorbed. It was just all about, I don't want to feel, or I do want to feel this way and trying to control that experience through chemicals all the time. And now sitting back and accepting and being like, okay, I can either see things as negative or I can see things as positive. And how am I going to look at it? And, um, that's so powerful what you just said. I mean, just being able to do that, especially in a time like right now, probably is just an amazing, it probably helps you get through every single day. I mean, there's so much uncertainty in the world and you can look at things in two different ways right now. I mean, there's a reality of what's happening that you have to deal with, mm -hmm. but then, but identifying things you are grateful for and finding that gratitude, um, has just been, it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what it will do for you. What do you do when you meditate? Cause I think a lot of people out there hear the term meditation. I was scared because I didn't know what that meant. You know, I, I listened to Howard Stern. I heard him talk about transcendental meditation. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to have to get a guru and I don't know how to do it. Like, 
it's pretty easy. There's a lot of apps out there that will help guide you. They'll teach you how to meditate. Do you use one of those? I have. Yeah. Um, fortunately, um, right. Just a couple months after I sobered up, I, um, I found in the fine print of my, uh, healthcare service. I, I, I didn't have health insurance for most of my adult life previous to this, but, um, I got health insurance, uh, also cause I was concerned about possibilities for, you know, some, some physical things that had happened from substance abuse, but I got health insurance and in, in the fine print, um, there was a, a company called, uh, mission point health services. They were based over kind of close to the Titans practice field. Um, and I, uh, I found a gentleman there who was a meditation teacher that I got through health insurance and it was incredible. So I was like, I went to this guy and, uh, and he just taught me everything, um, the different types of meditation. Uh, and we mostly practiced, uh, something called Vipassana and then, um, uh, and then the city, like you could, the different ways you can sit or kneel. And then, uh, just more or less the simplicity of it. Like the uh, same thing, I'm, I'm ADD uh, and I'm also very hyperactive and like my thoughts are everywhere. So I was like, I can't, I can't meditate. And I, uh, that everyone can meditate. Uh, and even, even if I'm uh, meditating every day, and I'm in a good practice, I'm going to be off in thought for 80% of the time I meditate. But I, I could, the, the thing, meditation is just going back to the breath. And it's not, it's not trying to stop yourself from, uh, following the, the rabbit hole and then just get back to the simplicity of, of just breathing and being in the moment. Um, but yeah. And when that started off, like, I mean, I would, I would sit for five or 10 minutes and maybe 1% of the time, you know, I was actually kind of focused on my breath, but uh, that's okay. That's still meditation. In some ways that's like even more of like a, I've heard some people refer to it as like every time you get lost in thought and come back to it, it's like, you know, doing a, a curl or flexing your, your, your bicep, you know, you're just you're that. getting, the more and more you do it. That's awesome, man. Well, we've been talking for like an hour and a half, if not longer. There's not a time on this thing. I know. There's, there's so much more to talk about here. I know there is. What do you, what do you, you steer the, steer the uh, conversation here. Where do you want to go towards? Maybe yeah. this. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, oh, tell, tell Jennifer, I said, hello. Let's go for a hike. Yes. Uh, If you like hot sauce, we didn't get a chance to talk about this because this is a, a, a food show after all. My brother and I have a company called Blister Hot Sauce. It is the best damn hot sauce in the world. Um, check us out. <laughs> well, let's talk about your hot sauce. This episode brought to you by Blister Hot Sauce. Um, that's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. My brother, uh, Richie, my older brother. Um, Who's in Street Corner Symphony with you? Yeah, it's an, and yes, yes. Uh, he came upon this recipe, and we've always been big foodies. And uh, he, uh, I, I went over to his house a couple of years ago, and he had these two hot sauces, green and red. And um, he, he bought a smoker, so he'd smoked peppers and garlic and onions. And, and I was like, Richie, you know, I'm a hot sauce guy, and like this is the best hot sauce I've ever had. So started selling it, and um, we we uh, started the business last year, and then slowly we've been getting into lots of different restaurants around town. Um, Fenwick's, Fenwick's, Mitchell Deli, uh, Butchertown, um, Beehive, just a bunch of restaurants around town. Uh, and then, uh, then COVID hit and <laughs> everything sort of stopped for a bit. But uh, fortunately now business is really starting to pick back up. Uh, a lot of it's uh, online sales and um, 
and local stuff. We do free delivery for for local um for local uh, purchases. Do you distribute yourself? We do at the moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're a restaurant out there and you would like to carry a blister hot sauce, how would they buy it? Uh, you can just uh, email us blisterhotsauce at gmail.com or, um, or you find us on social media. Send us some message there. Blister hot sauce. Easy, easy to find us. Uh, and we'll help you up. We'll give you, a, if you're a restaurant, we have got uh, great wholesale prices for you. So um, yeah, it, your issue will respond. If you're not a restaurant, um, they'll give you retail prices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we're always, uh, we're always out. throwing deals around. Yeah. We like hot sauce. Um, I have not had it. So when we go hiking, I will buy a bottle of each because my wife goes through, uh, she has two eggs every single morning for breakfast and she puts the um, green Tabasco sauce. Oh, if she likes that, she's going to flip out when she tries our green. It's, uh, yeah. You you will see my friend. It's yeah. I don't know what he did when he came with the recipe, but he may have sold his soul somewhere around the line. But it's it's ridiculous. It's so good. All right. Well, I am in. That sounds awesome. We'll definitely do it. What else you got? Um. I was, I was gonna say well, something else we talk about. Uh, I think that's it. I mean, I've, I've got so many fun stories. I remember me and you. Uh. Oh, we'll save that for another time. Well, so I always, I always have, so we'll, we'll finish this song and we'll just, we'll just cut out. But, um, I always let every guest finish the show and I give them the floor and I say, Hey, if you were to speak to Nashville, what are your kind of your final monologue? What what would you like to say to the people of Nashville right now? Listening to this, you got as much time as you want, say whatever you want. It could be two seconds, could be 20 minutes. Floor is yours. And then we'll take out with the song. Repeating once more, if you're having a tough time emotionally, you're dealing with uh, addiction or substance abuse, reach out, hit me, hit Brandon, hit anyone. There's help that will change your life. It is possible. I did not think that was true, but it is. Um, uh, and to everyone else, you know, that's just dealing with the heaviness of what this year has been, a, a great political divide, a, um, you know, I'm, I'm being stuck in your house and not being able to have physical interaction with people, that's, that's very heavy. Know that um, we as individuals are not all one thing. It's so easy for me, especially on social media or something like that, just to like see someone post something and say, that is a bad person because I disagree with them. And that is not true. And like for me to, uh, this is also a practice of my meditation and just mindfulness too, is just to be a be a try to be a person to where I can have a conversation with anyone, even if I disagree with a lot of what they they, they believe in. We're humans, and um, and most of us uh, have good intentions, and I've got to remember that. So be kind. You know, it's stand up for the things you want to stand up for, but don't let that make you um, totally demonize people simply for for one thing. So um, yeah, practice practice love and kindness as much as you can, and if you do that, you will be much happier for it. I love it. That's it. Take us out with a tune? Yes. That's okay. Yeah, buddy. Let me tune up real quick. Um, so this was fun. I, this is a single that just came out. I've always loved this song. Uh, and I was out on tour with uh, another sing-off alumni 
Mr. Avi Kaplan. He, he was in the group Pentatonics. Oh, yeah. uh, I went out with him last year to play guitar and bass in his, for his solo project. And uh, he had a guy named Tyler Ramsey open up several of the shows on the tour. And I was just floored. Tyler was uh, the guitar player for the group Band of Horses, um, which is a great, great band. Um, but his solo stuff just blew me away. One, he's, he's like one of the more unique guitarists uh, that I've ever heard. He's got like this mesmerizing, hypnotic sort of style of Appalachian finger picking. Um, Tyler Ramsey, uh, check him out. But uh, so when I got back home and um, uh, we, we kept in touch and then when sort of lockdown happened, uh, I started doing all my recording from my house. And so he lives outside of Asheville and he, um, he recorded uh, his uh, his guitar part and his guitar arrangement of this song, some uh, over the rainbow, and then uh, I recorded it upstairs. So I, I will not be able to um, do any justice <laughs> to the way he played guitar, but I will I will hack through this, I'm sure. But um, yeah, this is over the rainbow. If you check it out, uh, just search for me or Tyler Ramsey. you dare to dream really do come true someday i wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly. Birds fly over the rainbow, why, oh then why can't I? If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh why can't I?
Wow, man. Am I trying to... God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you did, my friend, in, in, uh, in other ways. Wow, dude. That's so good. Whew. Thanks for doing this, man. Buddy, happy to be here. Love you. So glad you're taking care of yourself. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on.